This week's podcast brought to you by Bird Play. Last night, our oldest daughter was casting the movie of her life, and uh, she informed me that, Dad, you would be played by Stanley Tucci. <laughs> and then she whipped out a picture of Stanley Tucci on her phone and said, because he's the good-looking version of you. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. We've come to have a new tradition at our house on Sunday evenings. Uh, I, well, I haven't been here for it, but you, well, you sort of have. Our kids have. Why don't you tell our listeners about our new Sunday tradition? Well, it's a Sunday tradition. We've had a uh, a bird in our house the last two Sundays during the NFL playoffs. I think the bird is... Uh, you think I it's the same bird? I don't think it's the same bird. It might be the same bird. It's got to be the same bird. We've been living here 15 years. And ne- we've never had a bird in the house and then two Much less cons- two in the bush. <laughs> and then two consecutive Sundays, a bird comes in the same door. It has to be the same bird. There's something weird going on. Well, what happened was two Sundays ago, I was driving our 13-year-old to her basketball game about 25 minutes away. And when I was 10 minutes into that trip, so I had another 40 minutes in the car, I got a FaceTime from our youngest who said, I couldn't answer it, but our, our daughter answered it. And I heard screaming, and she said there was a bird. She had opened the front door to let our dog out, and as soon as she did that, a bird swooped past her head. She could hear the fluttering of the wings, feel the fluttering of her wings just above her hair, which is everybody's nightmare, I think, especially if it's a bat get gets caught in your hair and flaps against your forehead. I don't have that problem. And uh, what should they do? And I said, well, open, keep the door open, open all the doors, all three doors, and try to get it to fly out while they chose, while keeping an open phone line the whole time to uh, let the bird do whatever it wanted while she and our oldest daughter locked themselves, shut themselves into my office. Well, leaving of course. Our, I mean, the, our, our nine-year-old isn't going to be able to get the bird back out of the house, although it did, I think she told me it pooped on the dining room floor or table? It did, on the dining room floor. On the dining room floor. So I wasn't home and uh, I, I was coming back from work and I just get a text from you there's a bird in the house and we can't get it out. And later that night when I was putting our nine-year-old to bed, I was asking her about it. I said, what happened? She said, I opened the door to let the dog in or out. And I felt I felt like a strong breeze by my hair. And then I realized it was a bird. And it first perched on the mirror in the dining room. And I said to her, I said, well, what did you do? And she said, I started crying. <laughs> and then I FaceTimed dad. Well, it, it was it is very disturbing to have a bird in the house, um, much less two in the bush. I was, I got home. Our, our 11-year-old son had uh, cornered it, that's not the right word, was standing sentry with a leaf rake. Because for a while, they did not know where the bird was. No, the bird was loose in the house. They didn't know where. And, um, and the bird was now on top of a little broom closet in the mudroom. And um, so I told him, I open the door next to the mudroom. The door goes into the garage, and then there's the stairs that go upstairs. And I said, I'm going to flush this thing from the broom closet, atop the broom, broom closet, and you make sure it goes out the garage door and not up the stairs. I don't know how he's going to do that. He had like a hockey stick or something. So I flushed the bird out. It flew off the, the broom closet and disappeared. Did it go out into the garage? Did it go upstairs? We don't know. So now we have to search the upstairs bedrooms, the bathroom, and uh, it's harder to search outside. So now we have that horror movie premise of, is there a rogue creature somewhere in the house? Mm-hmm. Well, after about a half an hour of that, I saw that the bird was actually in the garage, perched on the garage door light. It wouldn't leave the garage now. Yeah, when I got home that night from work, I got out of the car and the bird was in the garage and uh, I did my best to get it out of the garage, and my best was not good enough. It was just fluttering around the garage. But uh, 
eventually, eventually it got out. Well, it, it did. And then cut to this past Sunday during the uh, end of the, it must have been the start of the Packers-Seahawks game. I, the dog wanted to go out. The exact same time of night as exact the same previous time. week. Same day of the week. And I opened the door. I opened the door a foot and a half to let the dog out. And as I did that, I heard a and felt the same flapping of wings that our youngest did. And a bird flew over my head and started circling wildly around the, the house. And it scared the hell out of me, for starters. I didn't know what it was. And then when I realized it was the bird with some kind of gambling addiction or pro football, um, I think the bird cut cut its cord and just wanted to watch our cable during live <laughs> big sporting events. So it, I discovered, I followed the bird. It, it wanted to go to the highest part of the house, which was a light fixture in the hall. And we couldn't get it off. I swing it, it would always return to that. Then our dog saw the bird and was trying to jump up onto the the light fixture. And long story short, after an hour, after an hour of chasing the bird around Benny Hill style with a with a rolling pin and a broomstick and a and a leaf rake, we finally got it out the back door. And I realized that when I opened the front door, we still had this decaying, dead, dry Christmas wreath on it on the front door. And it must have been not nesting, but Just perching in that. There, yeah, yeah, resting in that. Both Sundays, right? I, I would think so. I mean, why else would the why else would the thing come in? I but I I don't know. The first time I was at work, the second time I was I think coach. Yeah, I was at coaching our our second daughter's basketball game, and before we came home, you texted me with a picture this time of the bird in the house and said the bird's back in the house, and I was just thinking you've got to be kidding me. How? How does a bird get in our house? How does it get in two weeks in a row? And the other thing that just is ridiculous is our dog will go nuts if there are birds in the front yard sometimes. She's barking like crazy, has to be let out so she can go chase the birds that she will never catch. One comes in the house and she Didn't doesn't do care. anything. Doesn't even realize it's there. <laughs> like, come on, dog. Now is when you try to catch the bird. I mean, we've talked in, in previous podcasts of how she's brought half-dead animals into the house, fully dead animals into the house, voles and moles. She's never brought a bird in, but uh, certainly has also never helped us get a bird out. So I tweeted a picture of the bird, and our online experts, including, I think, our resident birder, said it's a house finch, which how appropriate is that? It wasn't a house-trained finch, I can tell you, because... House it, finch, I wonder why they get those names. Is it because they perch on your front door. I, I, I think they like house music. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, since then, whenever I've let the dog in and out of the house and using the front door, I've like barely opened it. I've looked first and uh, made sure the coast was clear well, and the most, then let the dog out. The most common response on Twitter was, shut the front door, exclamation right. mark. <laughs> but uh, the, the... You did get rid of the wreath though, right? Yeah, I did. The, 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 uh, the great... Pro Football Hall of Famer and legal scholar uh, Justice Alan Page responded to me on Twitter and said, uh, "Have you thought of closing the door on Sundays at six p.m.?" And I think people do think that we've we just leave yeah, the door open. We don't just leave it unlocked. We leave the door open uh, in our part of Connecticut. We don't do either. But uh, but yes, I had to let the dog out. And uh, but I will be very leery this coming Sunday during a. Uh, the football playoffs of of opening the door and letting this deadbeat cord cutting house finch back in because it, it it was rather incontinent this bird. Well, it was. Well, it's much worse for you to be home and having the bird flying around. I was just sitting there at the game looking, and, and you know, is the bird still in the house? Yes. Uh, where is it? We don't know. And I'm just thinking, oh, no, when I get home, we're going to have to be on a mad hunt for a bird. So I'm glad that at least both times the bird got in the house, it was then out of the house before I had to do anything about it. Well, it's it's a disturbing to have a wild animal, a wild animal, not domesticated, in the house, and one that can do something you can't, which is fly. So there's there's no way that thing's leaving until it wants to leave on its essentially on its own terms. But I did I did have the presence of mind 
this past Sunday when uh, our kids had once again locked themselves behind the glass panel door of my little office where I could see them. And our son and I were chasing around this house finch with, uh, w- without any intention of, of making any contact with it, but just trying to shoo it out the door that um, so much of our lives are Sunday morning comic strips come to life, the family circus or a, a bad 50s sitcom. It is a ridiculous sight to be in a train of people running around the house waving yard tools. And uh, interestingly enough, when I asked you what you did when the when you felt the bird fl- fly by your head, you said the exact same thing as our nine-year-old. You said, I started to cry. <laughs> I did. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was terrifying. And um, and the other reaction people have had to this is you still had your Christmas wreath on the front door. Yeah, right. So It's I, not that. What is it? It's two weeks into the new year. Three That's weeks after Christmas. That's not a horrendously long time to have the wreath on the door. The wreath wasn't green. And the it lights that we had strung on the wreath, the batteries well, had died on those. They were no longer working. So it was more of a, a f- funeral wreath than a Christmas wreath at that point. Well, the wreath is now gone, and hopefully that means no more birds flying in the house. But it raises the question, uh, when is the last time it's socially acceptable to have your Christmas decorations up? I mean, I think it's still perfectly great to have see the lights. I think you should leave them up all winter. But uh, but I wouldn't count that as a Christmas decoration so much as a winter decoration. I think we have all of our Christmas decorations down. I think it's okay to to not have Christmas decorations down. You still want to have some sort of a winter feel, though, and, and I think, we have I think a, a wreath we, is okay. We have a Letters to Santa mailbox next to our fireplace, so well, I wouldn't that say that we have all of our... Well, that just has to be carried to the basement, but I mean, our, like our, our well, it, it, stockings are down, our Christmas tree is down, like the real Christmas decorations, I would say, are down, well, other it, than the, the, you the drag, box with the Letters to Santa. You drag the tree out by its ankle ankles uh, to the curb uh, the day after Christmas, so the kids weren't real thrilled about that. Now moving on to uh, go from one celebration to another, the idea of Christmas um, now to birthdays. I was in Stop and Shop yesterday doing grocery shopping and an announcement came over the loudspeaker that on January 27th or something like that, that some local Stop and Shops were going to have a birthday party to celebrate the one year birthday of Marty. Is that his name? Of Marty, their automated robot the thing with the big giant googly eyes that our youngest is terrified of that goes through the aisles and reports when there's been a spill. (laughs) So if anyone wants to go, they can celebrate the birthday of Marty the robot. And uh, when I was checking out, I asked one of the the cashiers who was always very friendly, who I enjoy. um, I said, how often do they have birthday parties for the humans that work here. And she started laughing and she said, well, I'm glad you noticed that because I noticed that too. And uh, uh, how often do they have them for the humans that the robots are designed uh, to, to replace? replace right, yeah. exactly. They never have them for the humans. And then when I was in Saba Shop a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a different uh, cashier about Marty. And she said, you know, Marty reported a uh, cleanup on aisle whatever. And then when they got back to the aisle, one egg had fallen on the floor, but hadn't broken. It was a completely intact egg, but because Marty's a robot and doesn't have arms, he can't just pick it up and put it back into an egg container. Instead, he has to go over the intercom and report that a cleanup is necessary in whatever aisle that is. uh, It's much too early for viewer mail, but I plucked one out of the pile because it's a photo of Marty at a stop and shop, presumably a stop and shop in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. This comes from John in Harrisburg, and he's written a, a short poem. I mean, he's at least spaced the the, the email so that it looks <laughs> Hold like on a poem. A second. You had no idea I was going to talk about none Marty, whatsoever. And you are able to go there into was, the viewer there, mail there, pile and p- pick out not only a picture of Marty, but a poem to Marty. There's almost a, a not a poem to Marty, but just a, a poem. an email that's composed that looks that's it's just the uh, way the lines are set. It looks okay. like a poem. It doesn't necessarily read like one, but I'll read it as if it were one. But yeah, there's a picture of of Marty here, and then it says, uh, "Shoveled snow this morning while listening to the podcast. Traveled to supermarket to restock hot cocoa supplies. Tracked wet boot prints up the aisle. Followed by mechanized googly maintenance staffer." Lived to tell the tale. 
John in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. This is it's, definitely a poem. It definitely. It's, uh, the, the poem is titled, at least his email is titled, Googly-Eyed Pursuit. And it's a picture of Marty, the uh, robot, robotic overlord at, at Stop and Shop. Well, I'm going to have and, to uh, and post the, this picture of Marty on our Instagram I, I, account, which is at Ball and Chain I will podcast. add this. There is, a, uh, there is a lurid, awful national news story happening in our area of a murder case. And uh, one of one of the uh, defendants, part of her, her alibi was that uh, on the morning of the murder, she was having her photo taken with Marty, the the stop and shop robot at one of the area stop and shops. So, was this a was this she just pulled out her camera and took it herself, or was this like I don't, a, I don't know. A, a, Scheduled photo op. I don't know if it was. They part have of birthday a, parties for Marty, and they have photo ops I, I, with Marty. I don't know, but I guarantee you, the birthday parties for Marty will stop when all of the Stop and Shop employees are are robotic. Right. I was in a. I didn't tell you this. I was in a uh, somewhere recently and overheard two women talking, and um, they were both retirement age. And I, I say this without condescension or or cynicism. I was genuinely uplifted by this conversation. About um, the one had a New Year's resolution each year to have a. It wasn't a mantra. I can't remember what term she used, but a daily affirmation, I think. And this last year it was to live to to uh, have fearless joy. Every w- day she wakes up and and mentions that phrase and, and fearless joy. Yeah, live with that. And and this year this year she actually she forgot what her mantra was and pulled it out to read it to her a friend and. I could tell there was some, you know, they they had a conversation about divorce and a cross-country move and their own business uh, struggles and whatnot. And this was kind of the daily affirmation that I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to do something and, and it's going to be good and I'm not going to let anxiety take over. And then they had a conversation about diet and weight loss and um, the difficulty of losing weight as the years go by. And this motivational woman, who I was genuinely uh, enjoyed listening to, said that uh, gave a bunch of nutritional advice and advice on you know just avoiding that dessert and and eat this and don't eat that, and uh, how it has served her well. And then you know the weight really started to maintain um, after she got her gastric bypass. <laughs> Which I Where found, were you? You were out I to found, lunch. I was. I I, I and found you're just it. Just eavesdropping. This not eavesdropping. Time. I was seated shoulder to shoulder, so it was impossible. I mean, it was it was no eavesdropping. It was not even Steve's dropping. It was just uh, I was just there you're and just there and yeah. your ears work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, for the time being, but um, I just love that sort of postscript, you know, weight loss tip. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic. Well. uh I like that fearless joy. That's much better than joyless fear. Yes, yeah, which is which sort is, of my affirmation. Right. <laughs> when the women were talking about the, the diet tips, did they say anything about um, consuming honey? No, they didn't say anything about consuming honey. But last, honest to God, well, I didn't know you were going to say well, that. Hold on, because last week somebody you know asked, "Oh, is Denny in the curiosity shop?" He said, "You know, what's better, honey or maple I know syrup? somebody said that. Yeah. I know Denny said that. Denny said that, and yes. so. Um, you know, I said, who the heck eats honey? Like, who eats honey? So anyway, <laughs> this past week, the b- basketball game that I called was number at the time, number six Baylor versus number one UConn, a huge game, great crowd, great game until the end, and, uh, and Baylor kind of blew it open. But anyway, after the game, I was talking to Jenna Oriama, Coach Oriama's um, oldest daughter, and uh, in the course of conversation, out of the blue, she said, oh, by the way, I was listening to your podcast. My dad puts honey on everything. So <laughs> there you go. Well, when I say who eats honey, some people not only eat honey, but he apparently puts honey on everything. Well, I kid you not. The viewer mail is the fountain of all wisdom and knowledge. More than the internet, it's our viewer mail, our corner of the internet. That is the that is the. There should be a website that just houses all of our viewer well, mail. It's like its own search engine. I'm telling you. Didn't know you were going to say that. We had a viewer mail from Ralph in Maryland who encloses a link to the San Francisco Chronicle, the nutrition of pure maple syrup versus honey. That was what the discussion was about last week, right? Yes. Well, written by Serena Stiles on November 21st of 2018. 
Pure maple syrup and honey are commonly labeled as healthy and natural sweeteners, often as an alternative to sugar or sugar substitutes. Um, contrary to what some believe, there are few similarities between pure maple syrup and honey. Nutritionally, they vary widely in calories, carbs, vitamins, and minerals, and then there's a breakdown. I won't read you the whole breakdown, but in car- calories, carbs, fat, vitamins, and minerals, and uses in cooking. So if anybody's interested in, well, I will in post the, the sort of uh, heavyweight slugfest of maple syrup versus honey, you, you can you I'm can picturing, post I don't know if if it's Monday Night Football or when, when they have the two helmets with the logos on them it's collide. exactly what it is. It should be the, the honey bear and the Aunt Jemima. Just, or even the maple syrup that's in like the maple well, leaf. One tablespoon serving of honey contains 64 calories. The numbers are similar in small amounts, but extrapolate that, that to one cup for baking. And pure maple syrup contains 819 in comparison to honey's 1031. It seems like a wash to me. I don't know. But uh, what, what I would suggest is eat as much honey and maple <laughs> syrup as you want after your gastric bypass. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, and I still need to post on our um, Twitter, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. I will post that. I will post the link to that uh, maple syrup versus honey. And I still need to post from sandwiches Dr. Gary of every Siegel, state. the sandwiches from every state. Did she say what Gino puts the honey on, by the way? She said everything. Everything. So what does that mean? I don't remember exactly what she said. I think she said like oatmeal, which... I think she said oatmeal, maybe cereal. I forget what else she said. Because lately, lately I've been using, just as a little sweetener, um, what the kids call make-sheller. The the shell chocolate sauce. The chocolate sauce that makes a shell. For what? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Do people know what we're talking about? Like the Hershey's? It's like the Hershey's Hershey's syrup that you put on ice cream, but then it it forms a a shell. shell, A chocolate shell. A a delicious chocolate shell. And and I've just been been adding that as as a little bit of a sweetener to cookie dough ice cream. Does it, um, <laughs> wait a minute, you've been adding it as a sweetener? To yes, that's why cream? I asked what he's putting the honey and the right. and the honey on, because if you're adding ma- if you're adding honey to your- Ice cream, for example. Muesli, and the kids and I still don't know what muesli is, but we just we just love that line from the Flight of the Concords song, hey man, I just want some muesli. Um, then I suppose it's, it's not unhealthy, but if you're adding honey to your barbecue chicken pizza, it might be a little unhealthy, I don't know. Now- is make sheller? Is that what it's actually called, or no, is that no. just what you guys? No, call no, it? it's just called shell or or uh, shell syrup or something and like that. You guys that. call it make sheller. Um, well, you're not really adding it as a sweetener to your. You're adding it as a shell to your ice cream. Yeah, I like but my. I, I see what you're saying. I like my ice cream in a in a hard candy shell. Right. I'm thinking of the line all. from Tommy Boy: "Your brain has a hard candy shell." Well, uh, I've got no segue for this, but should we open up the old curiosity shop? I'm just so excited that two weeks in a row, young Denny has uh, provided his, one. His curiosity has been piqued in the new year, in the new decade. When the meets Hi guys, writes uh, producer extraordinaire Denny Gallagher. Hope you're having a great week. Rebecca, I was wondering what your thoughts are on the new WNBA collective bargaining agreement. First of all, Rebecca, what is the new WNBA collective bargaining agreement? Well, there is a collective bargaining agreement, which is exciting. I believe it's an eight-year collective bargaining agreement. It was just announced a couple hours ago, so I certainly haven't had a chance to read it yet. But the players and the league, there's going to be a season this year. Um, I didn't really think that there would be a lockout or a strike, but I'm thrilled that they've been able to come to an agreement um, in early January. But um, it sounds like the the salary cap is raised. I think it's at now $1.3 million. There's off-season ways for players who want to stay in the United States to make additional money. The top players, which I'm guessing is probably one to two per team at the most, I think the max salaries now is a little over $200,000, but with some off-season marketing opportunities, they can make up to a half a million dollars. Better insurance. There's uh, You'll still get your full salary if you're on maternity leave. There's a variety of things that that sound like it's a real win for the players, but also for the league. So I'm just, I'm excited because the WNBA has grown so much and it's such good basketball. And I'm thrilled that there's not going to be any kind of interruption uh, in this coming season because they, you know, if they, if they hadn't been able to come to an agreement, but they have, and I'm, I'm eager to learn a little bit more about it. Well, this, uh, this curiosity shop, uh, illustrates our respective places in the uh, intellectual universe here. Denny asks you about the uh, your thoughts on the WNBA CBA. Denny says, Steve, 
Neil Peart passed away this week. How will you remember the Rush drummer? Now, I don't imagine you will have any memories, Rebecca, of the drummer for Rush. Were you into Rush as a uh, no, as a grade but, schooler? Um, but I remember some people. But it was I, I remember being in grade school and seeing like high school aged kids wearing Rush t shirts. Um, but I think I just missed the whole the the Rush phenomenon. Well, my nickname was Rush for much of my childhood, and I lived in a subdivision, so Rush's subdivisions. Just kind of burned into my brain, and I mentioned it in Nights in White Castle, uh, in the basement bars, in the backs of cars, in the shopping malls, in the high school halls. Um, but the big Rush song that really always resonates in my brain when when I think of Rush or Geddy Lee or Neil Peart, the drummer who just passed away, is uh, the spirit of radio in the line, uh, the words of the prophets are written on the studio walls, concert halls. Uh, my brother Tom of Tom, Dick, and Harry, that's one of his favorites as well. And, uh, and of course, uh, Tom Sawyer, too. So sorry to see about the passing of, of Neil Peart, but um, Rush's music will continue to blast through large wood-paneled speakers out my bedroom window if I'm shooting hoops in the driveway this summer because uh, that's what we did as a kid. Then he also asks, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are stepping back as senior members, in quotation marks, of the royal family. And that got me thinking, can someone be a senior member of a family under the age of 50? I'll hang up and listen. Denny, what do you make of the the royals stepping back from the royal family, Rebecca? You know, this is kind of pathetic, but I don't even... I'm not really aware of exactly what that means, that they're stepping back. Nobody's aware, but somebody... It wasn't me. uh, Somebody tweeted, and they put it perfectly... Because they issued a statement saying they want to concentrate on, you know, independent careers and uh, in financial independence from the royal family and so forth. And somebody, I think on Twitter, said this is a rare instance of a statement being issued saying um, we want to leave our family to spend more time with our work. Right. <laughs> well... I suppose good for them, and so they're. Oh, I thought you were going to say you know the feeling. They're they're stepping back from being uh, senior members, or they're becoming senior members. What what what's the terminology that we're working? They're with stepping here? back from being senior members. There's a, some kind of a hierarchy uh, involved. Well, some kind of hierarchy. Clearly, there's a hierarchy. There's like a is queen, it sort of like a coach emeritus? I, I, Are they like royals like emeritus? It, it seems like that. Maybe they're they're um, you know they're they're in boarding group two now in the royal family or something, but but um, uh, you're asking the wrong person. I, I want to add, while we're on the subject of Denny's Curiosity Shop, Denny was very pleased last week that Keith Morrison had his first mention on the Ball and Chain podcast. Keith Morrison, the, the, uh, the host, if you will, the interviewer, the interlocutor on NBC's Murder Mysteries Dateline on Friday nights. Is he uh, play, played surprisingly by um, somebody's Matthew Perry of Friends, his, his stepfather. Stepfather, that's right. And and Keith Morrison has been famously played by Bill Hader on Saturday Night Live. Right. Used to be. So anyway, Denny, I'm always impressed when Denny knows uh, some of these references that aren't in his generational wheelhouse. But um, good for him. I'm gonna bring up one thing from uh, the world of youth sports, which is uh, I'm completely immersed in this time of year because all of our kids are. Uh, our younger kids are all playing something and uh, and it's this if you are at a youth sporting event but especially in basketball and especially if you are coaching one there is a huge difference between saying for example in basketball there's a huge difference between saying to your player force him left force him left force him left and saying he has no left he has no left one of them, you are talking to your player and giving them coaching and advice. And the other one, you are basically taunting the opponent, but, somebody but, else's 11-year-old son. But, but anybody with the intellectual firepower to download and play a podcast that we're on right now, uh, you're preaching to the choir. It's only the complete imbecile who does that. And there are plenty of them, I know, but but not any of them would be swayed by what you've just said. Well, because I, but maybe the people who are listening will will be more aware of it because it's it's just semantics in some ways and and I've had It's not just semantics. It's yelling at it's an 11-year-old. It's yelling at an 11-year-old. And I had the the one this weekend that just crawled under my skin and it was um a boy scored an 11-year-old boy scored on another on another 11-year-old boy and I don't know if uh, if it was a coach or a parent starts yelling all day all day and uh 
And in the second half, when that same 11-year-old boy missed the shot over the 11-year-old boy, instead of yelling out, I just turned to my assistant coach and said very quietly, but I thought it was all day. (laughs) But those things are just, these these are kids, and just please be careful with what you're saying. Well, you have places to go and people to see, doctors to see, so let's uh, get to viewer mail, shall we? I do. I have my doctor appointment later today. And so, there, one, last year after I went to the doctors, remember, I shrank. So I'm interested to see if I'm still shrinking. And the other one was, because they do your height and weight, and, and when they did my weight last year, I remember commenting that they had me stand backwards on the scale. So I'm interested to see if they'll make me do that. And last week, one of our, our kids went to the doctor and they made them also stand on the scale backwards because I guess they don't want 13-year-olds to uh, feel self-conscious about their weight or whatever. So anyway, we'll see if I have to stand backwards and if I'm shrinking. I'll report that next week because I'm sure everyone wants to know. Well, I said that you have doctors to see, but actually doctors see you. Isn't that strange? The doctor will see you now. Have you been seen by Dr. So-and-so oh, recently? Right. But you're sort of seeing each other. I mean... I'm not going in blindfolded. The doctor will see you now. Well, I'm not prepared to see the doctor. I haven't finished this Highlights magazine from October of 2011. Right. As I say, let's get to viewer mail, shall we? Big bad look, throw our lure. Reel us in with your viewer mail. We've got a couple left over from the holidays that we hadn't gotten to that are, that are um, well worth waiting for. This is from... Um, this went to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Dear Stephen and Rebecca, greetings from Sapporo, Japan. This is over the holidays. I hope this finds you well. After surviving roughly two days of combined travel, Santo Domingo to Atlanta to Minneapolis to Haneda to New Chitose, I hope I'm saying that correctly, in Japan, I wanted to wish you holiday greetings and deliver unto you both an Uberesque Delta confession. Ooh. Oh, I could have, could have pulled this out as an as a, as a Uber confession, a Delta confession. First airborne, Delta confession. Never want to ever sleep on airplanes, let alone in them. I always use my time when trapped inside a large metal tube hurtling through the cold darkness of space to read a good book. This is from Michael, our, our uh, Dominican Republic correspondent. But this he's tri- in Japan over well, the holidays. Apparently. On this trip, my two traveling companions were Knights in White Castle and Miyuki, my wife. Having pre-ordered my order and pre-purchased my purchase of Knights in White Castle way back when I deliberately held off reading it, knowing that Miyuki and I would be flying to Japan to visit her mother and my mother-in-law at Christmas. Presumably the same person. <laughs> Presumably. So from MSP to HND, roughly 13 hours of uninterrupted reading travel time. Enjoy the entirety of your book. Thank you very much, Michael. Much to the annoyance of those seated around me, my overhead light was the solitary bright beacon within the plane. I'm that person on international flights. When everyone else is trying to sleep and you've got your light on. Absolutely. It's not affecting anybody else's sleep. It's barely enough to illuminate your own book. And and that shaft of light is never pointing at the book in your lap. It's always about three feet. uh, Yeah, it's always in the face of the person next to you. I I used to be on on your side with this, but um, this was way back. I'm playing with the New York Liberty, and we're on a a red eye back from somewhere, and I'm reading a book. I'm the only person on the plane with the light on. I finish my book. I put it away. And I pull out another book, and I just remember Sue Wicks after that giving me all kinds of grief because she said, everyone's trying to sleep. You've got your light on. When I saw you put your book away, I was relieved, like, oh, finally, this bonehead is going to turn her light off. She said it instead. You pulled out another book. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I married you, uh, that and the fact that you would be willing to marry me. Um, but you just brought up Sue Wicks. And, and, Michael, thank you for the kind email. He said some nice things about Knights in White Castle later on, and uh, – I will spare you those, but um, you mentioned Sue Wicks just now. And I think on a previous podcast, well, here. Um, hi, Stephen Rebecca. In listening to episode 103, Niblets and Giblets, and hearing of the need for Sue Wicks Candle Lawyer, remember we were talking about nominative determinism, how your name yes. uh, predestines you for your yes. occupation, and Sue Wicks, instead of being a, a great basketball player, could have also been a, a candle lawyer. Yes. Uh, I enclose a picture of a potential first case for Sue Wick's candle lawyer. One of our pastors got too close to the Advent candles a couple of weeks ago, and it lit her hair on fire. And here's a photo. Uh, thankfully, she survived, but not. But noted in her Facebook status that maybe next year she should wear a ponytail when near the Advent wreath. Have a blessed 2020, Reverend Christian Kuhn, ball and chain resident clergy person. And here is a screenshot from um, a fellow pastor's Facebook page in which she's holding her burnt hair from uh, getting too close to the candle. 
Mm-hmm. You ever had your hair set on fire? Um, no, I think when I was a kid, my sister, like I've, I know what burnt hair smells like. Cause I think my sister once like joking around may have put a the end of a piece of my hair in the fire, but it didn't light up. It just, um, you ever see when hair doesn't light on fire, but it just like shrinks and shrivels up and yes. gets all curly. I think she did that to mine. Amy in, in uh, Connecticut writes, um, I did this day. Unfortunately, it was only for a one night trip. Um, have you, have you, has this happened to you in all of your years on the road, Steve and Rebecca, have you ever packed your suitcase only to leave it at home? I did this today. It was only for a one night trip. How did you handle it? Buy new clothes or rewear praying that nobody saw you the day before. Also, what is your take on dispensers and hotel bathrooms instead of the little bottles? I'm in the industry. And while I see both sides, I'm trying to get a neutral party input. Do you like taking the little bottles of shampoo as souvenirs? Is this a wind up, Amy? I don't take the little bottles of shampoo for any reason. Uh, or would you I'll rather handle that part? Okay. Of the or would you rather see a dispenser in the shower so you can feel like you're saving the earth? Just curious. I uh, would love some swag. Uh, we will we will send swag out to you, Amy. We haven't. I haven't. I've got to go through the, all the swag requests and send those out. I do that every couple of months, whether I need to or not. So for this, for starters, you answer the question about. I have never. Packed I have my packed. Bag I packed a suitcase it. for a for a car trip to Cape Cod and left it at home. And by the time I was on the road for half an hour and realized that. Um, there was no way I was going back for it. So I went to, is it TJ Maxx or Marshalls? TJ Maxx. On the Cape, TJ Maxx, and got a couple of T-shirts, a couple of pair of shorts, some socks and underwear, and uh, this was at least 10 years ago. But that's an easy... And I still have, I still have and and wear the T-shirts that I got. One was a, had a Notre Dame Fighting Irish logo on the shirt, and the other was a Boston College... uh, Shirt with like an eagle on it. Unfortunately, we were going on vacation, so you could get away with just a couple t-shirts and shorts. It would be hard if you were if you had packed and you were going on a business trip. If I were going to cover a Notre Dame Boston College football game, for instance, suits or dresses or something like that. You like stealing the shampoos, or do you prefer the dispenser? I prefer the dispensers, um, just because then you're not wasting all of that plastic. That you know because. I actually use the the shampoo and conditioner, so then I'm not bringing a half used bottle home. I usually leave it in the room. So I do like the the hotels now that have the dispensers. I think that's just a much more environmentally friendly. It appears to be anyway, more environmentally friendly way to go. Amy writes, not sure what resident position I can assume. Weary traveler, perhaps. Okay, you've got the job of weary traveler, and that leads us to a, another inquiry from our staff from Tanya from Troy our resident energy efficiency advisor oh she's gonna ask what kind of heater a space heater three exclamation marks and a question mark she's clearly not happy yeah uh Restiva all I can say is ack in case you wonder why your electric bill goes up next month using a space heater for about five hours a day will cost about ten dollars a day most use over 1,000 watts to run she encloses a link to energyusecalculator.com uh, she's clearly not happy, but I, I, well, because she but went I, through a, a year ago or so, she went through the trouble of sending us the specs of exactly what to get to make her feel better. We've used the space heater for probably a total since we got it on Christmas, which is two hours, four weeks ago, three weeks ago. We've used it for a total of two hours. Well, so we're, we're in the basement now doing the podcast. It's freezing. We don't have it on because it well, it makes a sound. It makes a hum. That's true. But when I it come was down, it was the reason that I got it, but for you for Christmas. But then I realized when we did the podcast that we can't have it. But on. when I've been down here, when I watched the movie with our son, we used it for about two hours that day. But uh, hopefully, it makes her feel better. It it won't get a ton of use, um, so it it really won't it won't crush the energy bill. Here's the perfect uh, card for you guys, writes Tanya, and it's a Christmas card that I think she received received from her niece, and it's uh, it's Santa holding two uh, toddlers on his lap, and it says in in professionally printed Merry Christmas and professionally X'd out in gold is the Merry Christmas, and below that professionally printed is Happy New Year. Perfect. So um, we didn't But no, do that's that. my resolution. I still we have. We have to get one that says Merry Christmas, crossed out. Happy New Year, crossed out. Happy, Happy Martin Valentine's Luther King Day, Day, crossed out. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. No, so. it's for 2020. I'm, I'm, this is this is going to happen this year. Just wait. Speaking of Christmas cards, uh, uh, Jeff, our Hollywood correspondent who's based in Connecticut, uh, sends us his Christmas, a photo of his Christmas card. Happy holidays, 40 years of holiday cards. And it's, it's set up as if it is a book on sale at Barnes and Noble with a 30% off sticker on the front. Um, he thanks the uh, Enfield, Connecticut Barnes and Noble for allowing him to do his Christmas card photo shoot there. We've been to that Barnes and Noble. But he has, as the book says, I've been at this for 40 years. You can see them all here and he encloses a link to 
his website where he has 40 years of his Christmas cards, starting at 1979, where he's a single guy hitchhiking somewhere on his road to life and the adventure of what's going to happen to him. And then six or seven years later, there's a there's a, a woman in the picture. And then some years later, there's there's babies and toddlers in the picture. And now um, there's there's adults, other adults, in the picture. It's it's kind of moving. Yeah. No, it, it's really sweet. It really is. Um, uh, Jeff read Nights in White Castle over the holidays. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for the kind words about it. I did note that you were a fan of Carol Burnett. He writes, I did a shoot with her and John Cleese years ago. She was every bit as wonderful as you'd imagine her to be. Looking forward to more ball and chain in 2020. He's was worked she, with everybody. You was can't, she you, pretending to have a wooden leg at the time? She may no? have. I, I certainly hope so. You can't, you can't, just as you can't stump viewer mail, there will always be a viewer mail related to whatever topic you bring up. You can't name a, a entertainment giant of the last half century without Jeff having some connection to them. It's his crazy. um his book of his Christmas cards makes me wonder this. We um when people send us Christmas cards, you know, sometimes people will tape them to, you know, a entryway or whatever. We put them in a bowl in the middle of our dining room table cuz our kids like to look through and see the pictures of their friends and that sort of thing. Um how long? I wonder how long most people keep their Christmas cards before they recycle them or do they keep a couple of you know from family members do they recycle them all how long you know you wonder about how long is it okay to keep up the wreath on the door how long are you obligated to keep the christmas you, you, card you have no obligation but but like I, how I feel, long should you know i feel an obligation to read them to look at them and uh yeah. when they pile up in the bowl i say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna sit down with those some evening and go through them all but then it, it, it feels like it's work i want to go through them at my leisure and enjoy yeah. The, you, the nine page typewritten letter. I was going to say, do you enjoy spaced. the letter when people write sure, the if long I know, letter? Sure, if I know the people, you're not obliged to read the whole thing, but some of them. I, I just ask this because um, I like reading the, the, the letter too, but double spaced would be helpful. And, you know, maybe maybe keep it uh, the manifesto <laughs> under 10,000 words so it doesn't come off as uh, Unabomber esque. Okay. That's all I would ask. Um, Dr. Gary Siegel uh, writes that, oh, Dr. Gary Siegel, Rebecca, congratulates you on receiving the NCAA's 2020 Silver Anniversary Award. Can you tell us about that, Rebecca? Yes, I'm receiving the uh, the NCAA's Silver Anniversary Award, um, which I don't know exactly what you have to do other than stay alive for 25 years after you've graduated from college. Which you've done. But I've done that, and as a result... um, I'm getting the Silver Anniversary Award. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, Dr. Siegel also had a yardstick, as my my mother had a yardstick from Ladoff Chevrolet in Arlington Heights, Illinois, which which she would whack us. He he had one or his mother had one? Well, let's see. He says, um, Steve mentioned an old yardstick from a Chicago car dealership that survived the move to Minnesota and that it was among his mother's favorite disciplinary items. In our pantry are two yardsticks that are each around 35 years old and they have survived several house moves. They came in handy when the children were young as minor taps on the bottom were met with abject astonishment. Additionally, when they acted up as teens, I would get the yardstick and threaten them just a bit. Of course, as teens, their eyes rolled and no body parts were actually harmed during the parental muscle, were actually touched during the parental muscle flexing. By the way, new baby update from Dr. Siegel. This was uh, sent just before the new year. Three boys delivered so far over the after Christmas weekend. More to come, I'm sure. So... So he, he's delivered he, three in the He was padding so his statistics at the end of the year <laughs> to bring up his year-end uh, totals. Can you, if you wanted to buy, I've, I've never seen a yardstick for sale. I've, I've never looked for I one, think but they, even when I've been at... Um, the hardware store. But when I've been at like Staples, I haven't seen one. Have you seen yardsticks no, for sale? No, no. I, I, they're like, they're a thing that, that doesn't... Even then, I think you, they were giveaways at the bank or at the car dealership when I you bought a Chevy Impala. I think my parents Chevy had a yardstick, too. They didn't smack us with it, but I'm pretty sure we had well, one well, in the I, house. I think, I think 98% of them were used almost exclusively for smacking people a with smacking it. smacking Because tool? how often do you need to measure a yard? Yeah, almost never. Um, yeah, so I wonder, Let our I'd like our listeners to let us know if they have yardsticks, and um, if so, did they purchase them or were they a giveaway? Well, we have a lovely email here from a first-time, uh, not even first-time, long-time, a, a recent convert, I think. Uh, Dear Stephen Rebecca, I recently stumbled on the Ball and Chain podcast. And I'm really enjoying it. I've been a big fan of both of you for a long time and was delighted 
great word, Rebecca, to find out that you had a podcast. By the way, when he talks about delighted, somebody tweeted me, and I should wish I had their name now, that uh, the bird that was invading our house uh, appreciated wordplay and noted that the bird had alighted on on a light in every instance. Mm-hmm. It was f- constantly alighting on our lighting. And I thought that was uh So you think the bird was cord cutting and, and then our other people think it was just appreciating it, it, the word play. It, and that's it, why word play and bird play. cutting. <laughs> right. That's uh, bird play word. Word play, play and bird play. Um anyway, uh this is from John. He Enjoyed Stingray Afternoons. If you moved to the greater Boston area in the late 60s and early 70s, it was the story of my childhood. Your vivid descriptions of lazy days riding bikes constantly and everywhere, as long as we were back before the streetlights came on, brought floods of memories back, setting and resetting records with any number of balls using rackets, garage doors, rooftops, etc., making up games with whatever implements were at hand, hiding Playboy magazines in the woods, and so on. Well, I didn't hide those magazines, but I was informed, as all neighborhood kids were at the time, of where, where they had been stashed. And Rebecca, I've been a casual fan of women's basketball since my Navy days living in Norfolk, Virginia, where we enjoyed the heyday of ODU basketball with Nancy Lieberman and Ann Donovan. Being from New England, I've closely followed the UConn women's team and Rebecca's part in their history. Um, I played pickup and rec league ball well into my 50s up until one of my ACLs finally gave out. So his life could actually be yours, but the, um, the ACLs giving out anyway. Rebecca, I can understand some of what you go through living with Steve, my wife, Jane, or for fans of the Jetsons, Jane, his wife, is a writer, and I'm the silent. And the I'm silently correcting your grammar T-shirt would be perfect for her. So he, he takes my side, however, in one of our previous podcast arguments about bickering amongst the Russian family, both today and back when Steve was growing up. Uh, that described a quite normal di- family dynamic to me, writes John. How boring would life be if we all got along perfectly? Although, in a broader sense. Your podcast is the perfect means for calming me down when the state of our political climate gets me a little frustrated or my favorite football team has a crushing defeat that I mentioned I'm from New England. I guess the best word for describing the BNC podcast is comfortable. Well, that's nice, isn't it? So, John, thank you for listening. Jane, thank you for listening. And uh, uh, he would like to apply for the position of ball and chain comfortably content Cape Cod correspondent. I figure Steve will enjoy the alliteration. So... He can He's have got that. it. He's yeah. got it. He adds a P.S. Sorry, one last thing. When I was growing up in Bedford, Mass., my parents were members of their church's couples club. It was called the Ball and Chain Couples Club. Uh, there goes there goes uh, Denny's side hustle. If he was going, if he was thinking of establishing a Ball and Chain Couples Club, right? Exactly. Whatever. whatever. Can Can I um, revisit one of the letters? Uh, a few. Letters you can ago, revisit whatever you'd like. When we were asked about if you would ever packed a bag and then accidentally left it on a trip, when I was in working in studio this past weekend with Coach Landers, he said to me, so he comes up, he flies up, he lives in um, Athens near the University of Georgia, and he flies up every Sunday and flies up on Thursdays as well to do stuff in studio, and he stays at a hotel not far from ESPN. Anyway, he was mentioning to me that he leaves um, a bag at the hotel that has a couple suits in it just in case his his luggage ever gets lost and he said this hotel actually has an ESPN room where a bunch of the um people who are work at ESPN but don't live locally have bags full of clothes and um that would be an interesting experiment to go in and not know whose bag is whose and open and say you know is this I don't think Michael Irvin works for ESPN anymore, but for example, is this a Michael Irvin suit or a Coach Andy Lander suit? That, is that, this, that should you know, be and could be a, a show could, on one of the various ESPN family of of channels, right? It's, well, Two o'clock they've on got a limitless Tuesday channels afternoon, now you with could ESPN have, uh, Plus. You could guess the wardrobe by rifling through somebody's suitcase and yeah, I think, see whose it is. I think that would be a great idea. So. Uh, Anyway, an idea for a game show. By the way, Ralph in Maryland writes that a good friend of his lives in Liverpool, New York, and that both Stewie and Beth Mowens went to Cicero North Syracuse High School. Did you know that Beth Mowens and, and Brianna Stewart went to the same high school? I didn't no, know I knew Beth Mowens was from that area, or at least that she went to Syracuse. I did not know that wow. they went to the same high school, but I certainly must ask her about it now. And finally, this was a hot topic, um, both on my personal text from, from people I know who listen to the podcast and, uh, and apparently from our resident basketball net supplier, John, who writes and sends a photo also. Hi, Receive a Happy New Year. I was listening to your podcast a few weeks ago and heard all about the sideways traffic lights. I've seen a bunch of them before, maybe in Florida. We were talking about horizontal 
traffic lights. Our our youngest daughter asked, "How does a colorblind person know when the light has changed, or know what color no, the traffic light is?" She wanted to know how a, a colorblind dog, talented, a talented, a talented co- colorblind dog would know. Yes. Let me explain that the red light is on top and the green light is on bottom. But then it came up that sometimes lights are horizontal. I think you might have mentioned that. Yes, and I don't I think did. I'd ever seen yeah, horizontal you, lights. You, you you kind of pounced on me, well, thinking I, that there was no such thing. I but stand corrected. I apologize. And uh, and here's photographic evidence from John. Well, after leaving my daughter's travel basketball game on Sunday, he writes, we saw one in our wonderful state of Connecticut in the Niantic slash East Lyme area off of I-95. See the enclosed picture. I'm seeing it, and there's no question. It, it, oddly, there are five uh, horizontal lights on this one uh, piece of equipment. Look at the picture closely. The traffic light on the left has five lights. Okay, I understand one each for solid green, yellow, red, and probably left-turning green arrow, but what's the fifth light for? Maybe the green straight arrow, but that doesn't make sense because there is already a solid green. Any thoughts on why the fifth light, your residential, your resident basketball net supplier, John. Thank you, John. We, I, own jo- we owe John swag, by the way. Okay, well then we put have to him, get to Put him. that in the swag pile. Okay. Um, I don't have any idea. Maybe there's a, maybe one of them is a blinking light for some reason. I don't know, but uh, but uh, Dan in Wisconsin. Oh, a yellow arrow. Maybe it goes green arrow, yellow arrow, then red, and then you also have your yellow and green for straight. That's possible. It could be. But Dan in Wisconsin also writes to say that um, there were horizontal traffic lights in the dairy state as well. And uh, I was reading somewhere that there's a lot of uh, horizontal lights in Miami because anywhere where it's really windy and the lights might swing and to a point where it would be difficult for the drivers to see them, they do them horizontally. And then one of our friends, Brian, told me, that I think in Enfield, there's a horizontal light because it's you're, I think it's an underpass or a bridge or there's something that if it wasn't horizontal, you would not be able to see it. I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, not too far from us, there's Do a any, horizontal light. Have well. any of our viewers seen diagonal lights? <laughs> I feel like we're playing a light tic-tac-toe here. I, I don't know. Connect but, uh, four. But see, they do exist. You you were questioning my recall of whether or not they exist, and they definitely do. Well, I, I'll never question you again. Um, until I, next week. Until next week. And until next week. Until next week. Tom, Dick, Oh, for, for producer Denny Gallagher. For producer Denny Gallagher. For you and for me. Tom Dick Hari. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous Well, we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane